Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, uh, again, we welcome you. It is good to have you here. This is a super Sunday to be together and a great place to be. Uh, We rejoice with some wonderful uh, events of the weekend. Our young people, several of them, about 40, uh, went to a Christian conference this weekend in Gatlinburg, and they heard tremendous lessons on Friday and Saturday and then Sunday morning, and they're back safely, and we rejoice with them. Uh, Jason Zumbro uh, was restored, and also uh, Jess Dillard was baptized into Christ. And we are thankful for those young men and for their wonderful example. And we are thankful uh, for our youth and the wonderful example that they are and the way that they continually involve their life in things that are good, investing their time. Uh, we began a class for our high school young men that want to go to area congregations and lead services last Sunday night, and we'll continue that a few more times uh, as, as the occasions permit. It'll be a few more weeks before we can do that again, and a group out of that class will be going to McMinnville area this next uh, Sunday night, and they'll lead a worship service there, and Jeff Brown will be leading them to their destination, and we appreciate his efforts in this, but we appreciate our young men, uh, not only what we might think of training for the future, which is good, but being active in the Lord's church today, which is even better. And we are thankful for that. In February, we look at a series of lessons that deal with relationships. This morning, we looked at the importance of relationships. They existed before the beginning of time. And the Lord, when He created us, created us to share in relationships. And if we don't deal faithfully in those relationships, we've really missed it all. There's really nothing else that matters if we failed in our relationships. Tonight, I'd like for you to think about, by way of introduction, two of probably the most important decisions that most of us will make. One is whether or not we'll become a Christian. Could there be a decision any more important than that? Of course, maintaining that decision is very important. But could there be a decision any more important than saying, I do want to be a Christian. I want to be a follower of God. I want to spend an eternity with the Lord. I want to commit my life there. That's where I want to live. That's where I want to die. That's how I want to spend an eternity. What a wonderful decision. There's also a second decision that probably has the second greatest impact on where we spend eternity once you consider the first one just discussed. And that is, who am I going to date? Many of us are already married. Hopefully this will be a lesson to make us think about important things, maybe principles that we can even think about in our own life and the relationships we have and apply them. But especially for those of us here that are not married, this would be a wonderful lesson for us to think that deciding who you date could very easily have a tremendous impact upon where you spend eternity. You see, there's very few situations where there would be someone that says someone other than their spouse has a greater impact and influence on their life. Because the person we live with, the person we spend the rest of our life with, obviously has a great influence in our life. We do date our mate. I've shared this with you before. I want to give you just a real quick version of the same story because I can't help but think about this story when I think about this topic. I'm sure you have things and events in your life that every time you think about a certain topic, that just comes to your mind. A woman that had been faithful to the Lord's church for over 50 years. Well, she'd been faithful for almost 60 or 70 years. She'd been faithful to her husband for over 50 years. He had cancer. She called me from the hospital and said, 
I think this is it. Can you come? I need somebody. I rushed to the hospital, and as I rounded the corner, we almost ran into each other. And she just fell into my arms, and she put her head on the shoulder, and she sobbed, and she sobbed. And the words that came out next, I would have never expected in a thousand years. He's dead. I wish I'd never married him. It was the biggest mistake in my life. She'd been faithful to him over 50 years. She looked back in my eyes and she said, don't get me wrong. I loved him. But he never would share my faith with me. And he pulled my children away from the Lord. Young people, I want to encourage you to remember, it matters who you date. You can regret those decisions for a lifetime. She went ahead and told me how while they were dating, he never missed a service. As a matter of fact, he would tell her it's time for them to leave a restaurant or leave an event because they have to get back for Sunday night. He made sure she was there on Wednesday night. But he wasn't a Christian. He wasn't committed. And within a few weeks after they married, he never went again. Are you safe dating? We're thinking about relationships and being safe. Are you safe for other people to date? Wouldn't it be ashamed if dating you pulled individuals further away from the Lord? Are you safe in who you're dating? Wouldn't it be ashamed if you choose to draw close to someone on earth that in turn is going to draw you further away from God? That's an exchange that no one should make. And so I want us to think about a text that usually we don't think about this text when we think of dating, but I couldn't help but think about this because of the characteristics that are listed here. Notice in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, in verse 12 and 13, the older preacher is writing to the younger preacher about things that he ought to consider as a young man. And these principles, I'm not suggesting to you that this was originally written to someone that was dating, but the fact is these principles are true in every situation in life. And for the next few minutes, let's think about some of these principles and the way they would apply to those that are dating. In 1 Timothy the 4th chapter and verse 12, he says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to the reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine." What a beautiful challenge that he offers to say that God doesn't set a double standard that says, okay, now here's what a Christian uh, adult that is mature in age looks like. Now, here is what a Christian that is a young adult or even a teenager, here's what this Christian looks like. And we're having a double standard. This one has to live a more holy and righteous life than this one because after all, these are young. They're going to make more mistakes. No. There is no kind of double standard in the Scriptures. Obviously, no matter where we are in life, we ought to be growing and maturing in the faith the longer we live the faith. But we'll never find a double standard. And that seems to be what he is referring to here. He's saying, listen, even if you're a young man, you ought to live in such a way that you're an example in the faith. Now, I know we're not going to go exactly in the order that they are here, but I thought it might work together with this idea and this theme of dating. Think about it, he says, number one, you ought to be an example in love. When we think about dating, what is the purpose of dating? Well, we need to mention immediately that some, especially in the world, believe that the purpose of dating is, is to perform. It's, it's to look good. It's to be accepted. It's, it's almost like it, 
if we were using it from a biblical sense, it's hypocritical. If we were looking at it from just a world uh, terminology, it's an actor. That's a miserable way to go through your high school years and through your young adult life. Don't do that. Be yourself. Be a faithful Christian. The purpose of dating is to spend time with someone, with both of you, being yourself. And one of these days, you'll date someone where both of you are yourself, and both of you are close to God, and you find out that you just want to spend a lot more time with that one. No performing. No stage presence. No hypocrisy. It's me, a faithful Christian, dating the other, a faithful Christian. And we'd like to go through life together serving God. So when we talk about love, I don't want us to think about it the way the world might use all kind of descriptive ideas whenever you say, well, what is love when we talk about dating? Let's go back to the Scriptures and and let's think about love First, turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. In 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, and as you're turning there, I would like to mention to you that one thing that we often refer to in dating when we talk about love is we refer to that physical attraction. And, and uh, it's interesting how this doesn't have to be trained. No one has to set down a young man and say, I want you to learn to appreciate uh, the beauty of that young lady. That comes natural and vice versa. It's interesting how God created us to have that natural attraction. Right now, they probably wouldn't want to tell us that are older, but if you could read the minds of the, the young people in this room that are not married, they would have different individuals that are in their life that there's things that they, quote, love about the other. Oh, I love the way they laugh. I love being around them. They make me happy. I love the way they look. I love the way they walk. I love the way they act. On and on the things and the way God has created us so that we are attracted to the other. And that's natural. We really don't have to work that hard at that side of it. But what we do have to learn is we have to learn what it is to be a Christian, what we want in life, and then to learn to fall in love with the spiritual-minded individuals. In other words, it's to share the same heart. To find someone that has a heart for God in the same way that you have a heart for God. To find someone who lives a life of integrity and discipline and uh, that, that you live that same life of integrity and discipline. To find what oftentimes we refer to as inner beauty. And when you find that kind of, quote, soulmate, those that you love the way they are inside and out, that's why, guys, whenever you see a couple that's been married 50 years, or the other day, Phil and Andrew and I sat down with a couple that had been married over 60 years, about 63 years, and it was great listening to them talk about marriage. But how is it that a couple that's been married over 50 years can sit down at a, at a 50th anniversary celebration, and he looks over and he whispers in her ear, and, and he says, you're more beautiful than ever. I love you more than I've ever loved you. How can that be? It's because the relationship is not based solely on the outer person. 
The relationship is based on the inner. And that inner person has fallen deeper and deeper in love because we grow as an inner person if we are spiritual minded. Do you realize if we are God's children, we literally in inner beauty become better looking every year of our life. And so couples that have been faithful to God and faithful to each other for decades can honestly say, I think they're prettier, I think they're more handsome than the day I married them. Because the things that matter most, they are. That's why we hear readings like this in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. Look how important this is in verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? And we could read on there, but you see the, the, that verse and how that paragraph is reading and what it's about. And it's the bottom line of why would we blend our lives with someone who's not committed to Jesus Christ? Why would we blend our lives with someone who's willing to live in the world and willing to live in darkness? Why would someone that says, I'm a faithful Christian, I'm a child of God, I'm a light to the world. But I want to be yoked up with someone that won't commit to Christ. They want to live in the world. Where I love Christ, they love the world. Where I love righteousness, they're satisfied with wickedness. Why would we choose that? Young people, I believe that we oftentimes choose that because we base those kind of decisions on the outer attraction and not on the inner person. I beg you, give this thought. When you're deciding who you want to spend more and more and more time with, make sure that it's a deeper decision than just outer attraction. Nothing's wrong with the outer attraction as long as that is not what is leading and determining the relationship. As we think about whether or not you're safe in this, and we think about love, I'd like for you to look in Romans the 13th chapter. In Romans the 13th chapter, this is a tremendous passage for us to study as we think about whether or not uh, we're safe in our relationships. Is your love safe? Look at verse 8, beginning in, in Romans the 13th chapter. Look at verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, keep in mind, this love here is the agape. It's a decision. It's a commitment to do what's right and best toward another person. And so notice what he says about this love. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Note this. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And so if we're going to practice love in the way that God has intended for us to love, we will not hurt someone else spiritually. So we ask the question, are you safe dating? The person you're dating, are they pulling you away from the Lord? If so, they're harming you. I'm not trying to be a a smart aleck when I say this. I'm, I'm giving you Scripture. God would say, that person does not love you. What about if you're dating someone that's a Christian and because of who you are, you are pulling them away from the Lord? God says, you don't love them. Because love does no harm. Love would not hurt someone's soul. 
Love would not work against someone and create destruction in their life. And so when we think about relationships, and, and obviously we can apply this to any relationship we're in, not just dating, but any relationship, I have to stop and ask myself, do I love others? Because if I'm harming them spiritually, the truth is, biblically speaking, I don't love them. Now, as we think about this, I'd like for you to think also about our purity. You know, he mentioned there in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, in verse 12, he mentions purity. And I want to ask you, is your purity safe? When we think about dating, we live in a world that it would be a understatement to say we live in a sexualized world. Uh, it's a shame. It's reality. We as Christians have a responsibility to build some hedges about us. We have a responsibility to uh, be different from the world, not be uh, conformed to the world, but be you transformed. But along with this, there's a view so oftentimes in the mind of single individuals, and that is, well, no one can really be pure anymore. That's not true. God's plan is not outdated. God's plan for children of God will never be outdated. I can rest assured that God's boundaries that He places in our life are always for our good. Young people, please listen to this and please believe this. If you want the greatest relationship that you can have, do it God's way. God promotes purity, not to aggravate us or to annoy us. He does it to offer us the best relationships that can possibly be experienced on this earth. Period, exclamation point, highlighted, underlined, by far. And so what is it that God would have us to do? We need to see the time that we spend together as a time to be pure. We need to realize that it's not a time to make provisions for the flesh. Now, if you're still there in Romans, the 13th chapter, you notice we stopped reading just a moment ago at verse 10. Look with me now at verse 11, and let's think about the purity aspect of whether or not we love someone. And he says in verse 11, and, and especially the last phrase in 14 is what we're moving toward. And he says, and do this, knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep. Now, this awaking out of sleep is when we're not right with God and we're separated from God and we need to wake up and come back to the Lord. And he says, it's time to wake up out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. If we were describing our dating and if we were describing our purity, would we say, I've, I've lived a little bit darker than what I ought to live. It's time to cast off that darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly. See that? It's, he's dealing with our conduct there. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife, and envy. Now notice in verse 14, he's going to state something very positive. And if we've done that, this negative is not going to be a part of our life. And notice how he says it. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Interesting choice of how to word this and challenge us. He doesn't just say, don't fulfill lust. That'd be a powerful statement. Like in 1 Corinthians 6, chapter when he says, flee fornication. That's a powerful statement. 
But notice how he prefaced this statement by saying, and make no provisions for the flesh. We have a responsibility to not get ourselves into situations that lead to things that should have never happened. Not, we just have responsibility to not do things that ought to not be done immorally. Do you see the message? Let me state that again. We have the responsibility to not get into situations, to places, to events, to settings that leads us with open doors and great temptation. In other words, he says, don't make provisions for the flesh. More than once, I've been told through tears behind closed doors, I don't know how it happened. It just happened. Guess what? Unless it's rape, it didn't just happen. There was a lot of provision of the flesh that was leading to the event that is oftentimes later regretted. Is your purity safe? If you and your date are spending a lot of time alone in a house, I'm telling you, you're not safe. If you're spending a lot of time alone in a parked car, you're not safe. You are endangering your own soul. You're endangering the soul of your date. If you and your date are constantly filling your mind with songs, with movies with etc., that's promoting the glamorous immorality that Satan promotes, you're not safe. We can't love the world and expect in the same brain to love purity. Our mind does not have the capability to love both. We cannot love both. We have to decide. Am I going to love immorality? Am I going to love fornication? Or am I going to love purity? But it can't be both. And so here Paul writes and he says, let me tell you what love does. Love never harms another individual. Okay, Paul, I don't want to harm myself. I don't want to harm the the people that I love. So what do I need to do? And he says, don't make provisions for the flesh. You find those boundaries that you must set in your life that are holy, that are righteous, and you do it because it's safe. It's the safe and the righteous thing for you to do. Let's look at one more point here. Let's ask this question. Another characteristic that he lists here in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, is he lists faith. By the way you date, is your faith safe? You know, when we look at 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter... In verse 12, notice there, one of the things listed was, be an example, in faith, next to the end of the fourth chapter in verse 12. But look at verse 13. He mentions several things that are activities that the faithful would do. He says, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now this is something that when I say it, maybe you'll say, you know, I, I see that. I, I haven't really thought about it, but I see that. Not that long ago, I was asked by a youth minister 
to speak at an event. And he said, I have something specific I want you to touch on. We're having a real problem with our kids once they start dating. Those that were so faithful to the Lord before they started dating. They start dating and they're no longer faithful. He said, it's almost as if they exchange Christ for their date. And young people, please, I'm not trying to pick on you tonight. All of these that are older than you, we have challenges in same or similar ways that we all have temptations to exchange things in our life for Christ. But tonight we're talking about dating. And so he says, he says there, it just seems like they exchange. Yes, they get a date and... And they start dating this person and next thing you know, Christ no longer matters. And the very things that mattered so much, they don't matter anymore. Please believe this. There's plenty room in your heart for Jesus Christ and a significant other. There's plenty room. The problem is not that we do not have the capacity to love both. The problem is when we choose either to date someone or even if it is us, ourselves, to go in a different direction than the Lord. When we think about faith, I need to ask myself this question. What if someone said to you, when is one time for certain that a couple ought to break up? I know we can't answer out loud here, but just think about it. What would you say? If someone said to you, when, when is it that there's that, that time, when that time comes, break it off. It's not worth it. When you're not faithful, when that person is pulling you away from the Lord, instead of encouraging you to live for the Lord, that's a no-brainer. There is nobody on earth that their way of life is worth jeopardizing your soul. Doesn't matter how attractive they are, doesn't matter how popular they are, doesn't matter how they make you feel, doesn't matter. Can I say that my faith is safe by the way I date? Have you ever talked to someone that said, I know I've asked someone before, hey, when did you become a Christian? And them say, you know, I was a long way from the Lord. But I dated a Christian one time. Our relationship didn't work out. But dating them, I met the Lord. That's one of the best things that ever happened to me. What a compliment. What a compliment. That even after a breakup, it was a blessing to them that they dated a Christian. Can that be said of you? That if someone spends time with you, they're going to be led closer to the Lord. That's your heart. That's the type of person you are. It's not an act. It's not a put on. It's who you are. Genuine and real. When we think of love, is your love safe? When we think of purity, is your purity safe? When we think of your faith, is your faith safe as you date? 
It can be. God's designed it so we don't have to sacrifice anything to grow in closer relationships with others if we choose to do it His way. What a great decision. You know, it's kind of neat to think that here we are talking about this topic. And it won't be that many years. I know to some of you it may seem like a long time, but it won't be that many years on Wednesday night it'll be announced. Can someone stay behind and help move the furniture? We're going to have a, a wedding this Saturday. And you and your significant other will stand about there on a Friday night and, and you'll go through a rehearsal and it'll be so exciting. And on Saturday, you'll be standing here and you'll probably believe that it's going to be the best day of your life or at least one of the best days of your life. Here's what I hope so much. I hope that it really is. Because it's sad when just a few months or a few years later, you realize that what you thought was the greatest day of your life was really the greatest mistake you ever made. You don't decide that on that Friday night of the rehearsal. You decide that on the Friday night when you decide who you're going to date. Because you'll date your mate. We close with an invitation. If you're not a Christian, that's the greatest relationship. Let's make sure that we leave here faithful children of God. If you are a Christian and somewhere you've lost your way, isn't it wonderful that God offers us an opportunity to come back? We can help you in any way.